Your call has been forwarded to an automated voice messaging system. Wait, what? Jack, it's going to... ...is not available. At the tone, please record your message. Hello, everybody. Welcome to We Will Call You Back, the only podcast that starts its first episode with remorse. We are so sorry we missed your call. We heard it ringing in the other room. We were busy. We wanted to answer it. We didn't get there in time, but we're here to right that wrong. I can't speak for Izzy, but I am so sorry we missed your call. Izzy, do you have any sort of remorse? I haven't been able to sleep in three nights. We only got their voicemails like two nights ago. <laughs> Unrelated. Okay, sorry. Sorry, not to bring up your problems. But we're going to respond to those messages. Just about now, some people left us messages on the We Will Call You Back Instagram. That's at We Will Call You Back. It was We'll Call You Back, but you can't do an apostrophe, so the Instagram handle just looked like Well Call You Back. So I had to re- delete all that. Restart it. We will call you back. That's what the podcast is called. Our first message is from Jade. Someone named Anna also sent us a very similar message. Anna, at the end of this, you'll realize that you're the Anna that I'm talking about. Jade says, unsure how to meet people. All of the clubs at my uni have like a few people I just don't enjoy. And I'm not a super partyish person. I really want to get out and meet people, partially because I hate dating apps, but I'm not really sure how to do that. Anna, now you see, you sent that message as well, pretty much. How do you go about it? I feel like I'm not the person to really ask this gotcha. because I haven't made a new friend in maybe four or five years besides Jack. I think this question immediately kind of makes you think of high school. Absolutely. As far as just like it was before meeting people was a thing you had to do. Mm-hmm. It was just a thing that happened. And... As far as like, there are some people I just don't enjoy. There will always people you just, there will always be people you just don't enjoy. And like at high school, the place where you like, you know, middle school, high school, where you met the most people, the easiest. You think back to meeting those people, there will always, there was always plenty of people there that you also couldn't fucking stand. I think the most generic answer is find something you like to do that you would be happy to do alone where other people are. And that's what'll happen because you didn't go to high school to meet people, but neither did anyone else. And that's where you met the people, right? Yeah. I think realistically too, as an adult, I'm as well, I'm assuming they're going to school, but maybe they're not. They said at their uni. So at their university. That's why. Okay. We can cut that out. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so going to school then, I mean, that's your first place to make friends, but all my friends have come more from what I was doing for work because it's similar. You're trapped with these people that you either have to get along with or not. Finding a part-time job too could be a way to branch out and make friends if you don't want to just go the route of going to bars or going to parties, that kind of thing. Yeah, and I think... Even if you have all those boxes checked, it's still like, okay, I'm in a room. There's people in this room, but the job's not done. I think one of the things that makes, like, Carla, as many of you know, Carla is one of my coworkers. Carla is not 
an extroverted person. She is not a huge talker. But the thing that made her and I fast friends was her proclivity for asking questions that aren't small talk. She very rarely asked, how was your weekend? What do you do for fun? Do you have a family? She mainly went to, have you ever broken a bone? What's the worst pain you've ever experienced? Is there a, is there a pain that you liked? Like, do you like, and my answer was like, uh, I would, in like middle school, I would snap the clips off of mechanical pens and put them in my mouth and like push them against my gums. That was a pain that I liked. And sharing that information information with Carl made us good friends. Wow. So I think tr- if you're trying to avoid small talk that feels not genuine, is disingenuous a word that feels disingenuous? You can still have, you know, smaller talk, but just questions that you think are, you're like, oh, no, I shouldn't ask them that. You should ask them that. As long as it's not something that's off the wall or far too personal, ask them that. And also it'll tell you a lot you need to know about them by their uh, their willingness to answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think we helped? Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll go with that. Jade, Anna. If we didn't help, sorry. If we did, we're glad. But at the end of the day, we responded to your message. Our debt is paid. This is this is an important one. Okay. This is from Brooke. So I have floor seats to see Taylor Swift next year. We bought the tickets at about $300 a piece. They are now worth $2,300. The kicker is, my husband and I are trying to have a baby, but need to go through fertility treatment. This will cost about $3,000. I have been a fan of hers, Taylor Swift, presumably, uh, since her first album. I am not a full-blown Swifty. It sounds like you are. But I am still a big fan. The thought of selling those tickets to go through treatment is constantly in the back of my mind. I told myself we will just save for the treatment like the original plan, but the thought still lingers, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Half of the people I talked to said to sell the tickets, and the other half says to enjoy the concert and just save the money as planned. I am at a loss. What do you think she should do? I mean, personally, I think you should go to the concert. Um, But that's because you're not – it's not like you're spending $3,000 to go to the concert. You spent $300 with the intention of going to a concert. It just so happens that the fertility treatments line up with resale value of the tickets. So you think you should she, you think she should go? Yeah. Okay. I do. I think I think that's obvious. I think something that she didn't I like I feel like most people would be like, yeah, I mean, what's what's the issue? Um I think there's something she didn't say that's sort of implied is like not only is fertility treatment expensive, but they're trying to do this now. So there's like a time frame and if they choose to sell the tickets they get to have that time frame kind of how they want it it gets to happen right now right. and if they don't they have to wait and they're maybe more impatient about having a child together than they are about seeing a taylor swift concert sure but i think that comes down to your priorities i don't even think it comes down to that i think what i was trying to say is that There are two points that just don't have to be, like, correlated. Mm -hmm. I think this person is going to 
like have that feeling like, oh, I, I have to put this money towards that thing because it's a bigger picture kind of thing. Um, but again, I just don't think that they need to be super like correlated together. I think you paid 300 for those tickets with the intention of going. It doesn't have to have anything to do with the fact that there's a resale value on them. Yeah. I think it might be slightly different if there was like no way you could reach your end goal of $3,000, like you're living paycheck to paycheck and there's just like no end in sight. I think that would be a little bit different. But if you have a time frame laid out of like, we're going to reach this goal in eight months or six months or 12 months, then stick to your original plan and go have fun at a concert. Yeah. Make that memory. I feel like you have a different opinion on that one. No, I think I see, I think I see their dilemma but I think at the end of the day, they're creating that dilemma. And you are right. Like, yeah. if you're compartmentalizing these things, um, there's no reason for them to be in the same compartment. Mm-hmm. One's a concert. One is something you have already set up a saving plans for. Yeah. Keep them separate. Separate but equal. That's what I always say. I need the record to show that she's laughing. You just can't hear it very well. <laughs> <laughs> From Lexi. My ex broke up with me a little over three weeks ago, and he still makes new accounts to stalk me. Meanwhile, I'm hooking up with someone new tonight. What is your best advice for moving on from an emotionally abusive relationship? I'll let you start. You let me start? Yeah. Fuck. You have more experience with it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I think with a lot of this type of question, like what's your advice for getting over a breakup, advice for uh, getting over getting fired or something difficult. Uh, the hardest thing that helps the most is under, is being okay with the fact that it's going to suck really, really bad. That the more you try to be like this, this doesn't suck. This doesn't suck. And I'm okay. This doesn't suck. It's, it's pretty much okay. Maybe it's not my favorite, but it doesn't suck. The harder you try to do that, the more entrenched you'll be in how bad it sucks. And so I think step one being like, this is just the worst. This sucks really, really fucking bad. And having that be what you accept as true allows you to move on, put no more energy towards trying to convince yourself it's not a difficult thing to go through. And you can put all that energy towards reestablishing your self-worth and reestablishing your independence as far as... um, being comfortable being alone, financial independence, finding a savings plan, doing those things that are also difficult, but at the end of the day are something that make you feel good because you got through something difficult all the while dealing with something that is this overarching shadow that you are trying to get out from under. Totally. That that sound was a snapping finger gun over at Izzy. I think also most people's advice when you're getting out of any kind of like abusive relationship seems to be like take time for yourself and learn to love yourself and like grow from the experience that you went through, which is obviously good advice, but I don't think it needs to be the first thing that you're doing to, to get over a relationship, especially if there's any part of you that wants to go back to it. I don't know if I made that make sense. No, I think I get it. Yeah. I think I get it. Because one of the hardest things when you're getting out of an abusive relationship 
is that alone time. Um, and that's why so many women go back one because they're being stalked by their ex or pestered by the person. Um, and it can be easier to go back to that person, especially if they're love bombing you. And so if you do everything like block them, stop talking to them and everything in your power to get them out of your life and you just need like the mental help of getting over the emotions, honestly, sometimes using other ways to distract yourself can help more than the like self-reflection will in the beginning. Kind of kind of like this is sounds really stupid after the profundity of what you just said, but it's kind of like switching to vaping instead from like quitting cigarettes is that like yeah maybe casual hookups aren't seen as the most healthy thing especially in a kind of vulnerable state but it's better than being with that piece of shit yeah but it's better than that you can do it smart you can do it in a way that is helping you feel the way you want to feel to be able to kind of tackle these day-to-day things that are now all of a sudden so much more difficult. If you know, you can feel people can say what they're going to say, but at the end of the day, you're not going back to that person. Right. And I feel like the hardest part of leaving somebody like that is the first few weeks to maybe a couple months. Um, and if you don't, you know, need to, you don't need to spend that time self-reflecting you're going to have to do it eventually there's yeah no really getting around that but it doesn't have to be the first thing that you do (laughs) because I think that's where you're most vulnerable to falling back into it yeah and it's like it's a little bit unrealistic to expect someone coming out of such an unhealthy environment to be making the healthiest moves you would want it ideally but if we're being realistic about you know how flawed humans are you just came out of a environment where everything around you everything the most important person in your life was doing and probably a lot of your responses to it were so unhealthy you're out of that now like you can give yourself some leeway to do the do the you know do the thing that people say isn't maybe the healthiest at the start or maybe not kicking yourself for making those mistakes. You're like, I didn't fucking, you know, I didn't meditate today. It's like, yeah, but you're, you know, you're still on that path where you're thinking I want to meditate, whatever it is, whatever that healthy step is that expecting people to be so well adjusted and so therapized immediately while they're in the thick of it is just not realistic. Mm-hmm. Do we need to do something to make it sound a little less like we're telling her to be unhealthy? <laughs> I feel like that wasn't telling. I don't think that's telling somebody to be unhealthy. I'm saying that just people's advice tends to be like, in my opinion, the wrong advice for most people when they're getting out of an abusive relationship, mm-hmm. whether it be like physical or emotional. And whatever, because this person, and the reason I brought that up is because she said she's hooking up with somebody new. Mm -hmm. And usually when you're getting out of a relationship, if you start hooking up with people, there's like this inner part of you that's like, I shouldn't be doing this. I should be focusing on myself. And I'm saying that just because you're ignoring that right now doesn't mean that's the wrong thing to do. Mm -hmm. 
you you can you can still get to that point, still be moving towards focusing on yourself. Yeah. Just because you're doing this one thing doesn't make it so now you are, you know, completely at ground zero. Totally. All right. Figure out her name again. Lexi, we're so sorry to hear that. We're happy to hear that you are no longer in the thick of it. On the ups. Hope Hopefully that dick is good. Uh, Yikes. Uh, <laughs> Uh, thanks for, thanks for, thanks for giving us a call. Sorry, Mr. Message. You should state that we're not qualified to answer. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. A big inspiration for this podcast is the pen pals podcast. Every single episode they go, and we've said this before, we are not professionals. We're just two idiots who care. Mm. That, I think that, that applies. Mm-hmm. And I think we might end up saying that a lot. Okay. From Michelle. She says she gets slightly bullied by her friends for eating kiwis with the skin on. <laughs> Fucking weirdo. Oh man, I was I was so sure that you were gonna be fully on her side, so no. I could take that position. <laughs> the, the joke is that I do the same thing. Do you eat? You eat? Not always, but I'm not against it. I think I at all. That. Yeah, we've had this conversation, I I that and I think you. you said it's the fact that it's like hairy that you can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Don't really, don't really care. Like Carla eats mangoes with the skin. That's just gross because the mango skin tastes bad. The kiwi skin doesn't like taste any different it's just texturally it's like a little funky but i think a little funky is such an understatement it's a little funky the the insight is like the inside of a kiwi is so sweet and a little sour and it's soft and it's juicy and then to throw on a canvas bag (laughs) that's not a little funky that's full 180 the exact polar opposite on top of it I don't understand it. Michelle, look, eat how you want to eat. Do your do you. And you can be okay that they think that's weird. You can be okay with the fact that they're correct about that. <laughs> but eat your goddamn kiwi. You can enjoy it. I would I would advise you try without the skin and see if it is better. I think it is. <laughs> I think with the skin on isn't even an option. I'm curious why you do it, though. Like, is it out of convenience or do you genuinely like it? Because I think that's a, that's a good question. That's if it's a huge, purely that's, because you genuinely like it. That's huge. That's a huge question. You just blew this wide open. You got to do some reflecting. Okay, so you eat, you eat kiwi with the, with the skin on. And purely out of, like, convenience. Just laziness. Yeah. Like, I think, like, I'm going to assume anyone eats kiwis without the skin but if you do i'm going to immediately assume you do it because you're lazy not because mm-hmm. you like the canvas bag mm-hmm. that's an important question yeah is the que- i feel like the question's about the bullying and less the kiwi. no no literally she was like i get lightly bullied by my friends do you guys eat it with the skin on how do you eat your kiwis oh i eat it without the skin oh so you don't care about the bullying I think it's her friends lightly bullying her, uh, probably maybe even a little lighter than we are right now. I'm taking this too literally. Yeah, maybe. 
I get it now. (laughs) (laughs) Second message from Michelle. This one I'm not going to read. This one I'm going to try and play the audio file she sent us. Um, cause it's, it's, it's pretty adorable if I, if, if I can say so. So is it possible to put too many stickers on something? Cause I don't really seem to have a li- limit when it comes to that. And it makes me happy and it makes me smile, but I'm wondering if if there is a limit with too many stickers, where is that limit, in your opinion? Is not that is that not the most precious thirty three seconds you've ever heard? That was fantastic. She also she adds for a note: English is not my first language, by the way. So please be nice. Monkey covering eyes emoji, and then the smiley emoji with the little bead of sweat. We would never be anything but nice. One. You speak it great. You you, you no no issues. Um, you sound you sound just adorable. It's always non English like speakers or as their first language that are like my English is so bad and they are like the most articulate. Yeah, they speak like ever. it's like they sound, they have like a transatlantic <laughs> accent from like the fucking like golden age of Hollywood. Yeah, and you're like, is this bland? <laughs> is this streetcar named Desire? You're from Sweden? What? You speak beautifully. Well, well, well. So you know, rest assured. Too many sticker. Too many stickers. Too, too many stickers, Izzy. <laughs> too many stickers. No, I would say no. And you said it yourself. It makes you happy. Just like the eating the goddamn kiwis. Yeah. It makes you happy. It, it makes you happy, and it's not affecting anybody around you. Yeah. Facts. Good disclaimer. <laughs> There was a chance she would get so happy about the stickers that people would be like, hey, you got to <laughs> calm down. You're starting to throw elbows, and this is a pretty crowded room. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm going I'm to be the wet blanket. I think people put bad stickers in bad places and good stickers in good places. And I think sometimes those things get mixed up and it and it, and it, and it feels wrong. Sure. It's just that's 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 an opinion. I don't have many opinions on stickers. Yeah. So I'm kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel to think, well, <laughs> really go inward and go, how do I feel about stickers? Yeah. We sell a lot of stickers at work and um the person that orders them is is Ariel and she's an she's an older millennial. Some of the stickers she picks make me so angry and especially because of people's reaction to them there is one sticker that is just like a stock image of a cartoon squid that's kind of shrugging and it says on the sticker you gotta be squidding me the way 42 year olds would lose their shit over that sticker look i i literally just posted a tiktok about the ways in which i am asshole am an asshole this is one of them i don't like their joy <laughs> I, I don't i don't like that sticker it makes me angry you happy right hey thanks i'm actually just more impressed by the fact that she is able to stick stickers permanently on things i'll save a sticker for 
15 years. Never yeah. put it anywhere. I still I have a I still have a boy pussy sticker. Yeah, I don't. Portland. Still have one. The other one's on my sewing machine. <laughs> and then I have a bedazzled fabulous it's a the word fabulous and like rhinestones. I have that. I've had that for literally 7 years. Never put it on anything. <laughs> Dad, don't know what to do with it. It might be gone now, even yeah. in the move. For those who don't know, we just moved into a new house. Um, as professional as I hope this podcast sounds, we're sitting on two chairs from the table that will eventually go in the backyard. The <laughs> mics are clipped on to a piece of furniture that was here when we moved in. And the computer's sitting on a third chair. We're in a room surrounded by boxes, and when we're done, we're going to go put these chairs back with the table in a room that is also full of boxes. He is lying. (laughs) (laughs) We're waiting on a couch. We're waiting on a mattress. We'll get there eventually. Hopefully soon we'll go uh, visual and so that we can be uploading clips to TikTok and long-form stuff to YouTube. Um, but until it doesn't look how it looks, it's probably going to stay just a podcast. I forget how I got there. How did I get to talking about myself that much? Sticker. You always lost this lot. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a favorite thing about the new house? I wish we could spend more time on the patio mm-hmm. right now. We can't. I think that will. The back patio. Yeah, yeah. That'll be my favorite thing once it's set up. We have a little space out there. Gotcha. As far as your favorite things about the house, where does the way the motion detector light casts the big shadow of the dogs on the neighbor's house, where does that rank on your favorite things about the new house? As of last night, like, number one. Okay. See, that would have been my guess. Yeah. Well, I didn't think of it. To me, that's not a house feature. I don't know. It's at the house, okay. the dogs and the light. Sorry. What's your favorite thing about the house? <laughs> I was thinking, before you asked it, I was thinking we're going to edit out this silence. Now I think we might leave it in. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite thing about the new house um, is uh, is the person I get to live inside of it with. Shut up. And I mean that. And I'll always mean that. Our next message (laughs) Um, is from Sam. They say, senior year of high school, I tried and failed to pull off a senior prank because all of my friends thought it was stupid. I regret listening to them deeply. Do you pull pranks? Do you like pranks? Pulled any good ones, question mark? Do you have an opinion on pranks? I went through a phase where I was, like, really into the idea of pranking, mm-hmm. but I I didn't really execute any. Okay. I just, like, if somebody was, like, describe yourself, I'd be like, I'm a prankster. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, what pranks did you pull? Like, none. I, I went to a really tiny high school, and me and my best friend at the time tried to do a senior prank. Um... And by the time we got to school the next morning, it was gone. <laughs> so what was the prank? Um, we wrote "anal is pretty gay" <laughs> on a 
one of like it, the school was tiny. It was literally just like five trailers and a quad and a fence, mm-hmm. and we like m- made this big thing that like weaved in between the fence. Oh, so yeah, it yeah, like yeah. shaped it out across where like all of the parents would drop off their kids. And it said anal is pretty gay. Yeah. That was, That's a pretty good senior prank. That was our senior prank. That's pretty good. Yeah. And they, they took it down by the... And I was like, it took us a long time to get that put up there. I was like, how'd they get it down so fast? Yeah. And I feel like it's it, it kind of covers your own trail because they'd be like, this is probably a... This is probably someone who isn't pro-anal and pro-gay. Mm-hmm. This is probably some guy on the football team. Not the swim team. They're definitely pro-anal and pro-gay. <laughs> but football team, maybe. Yeah. Everyone knows. I feel like that was my only prank. Well, when I was a kid, I was a, I was a little prankster. Yeah, what'd you do? I feel like I've told you these stories. Um, I put... So we could just leave them off the podcast then? <laughs> no, I just... I feel like I've told you them. I'm just telling you now, okay? God. Uh, I put salt in our water container thing so that or pepper salt and pepper in our water container thing so that every time people would get water they'd be like why does this taste like pepper um but wouldn't that mess up your ability to drink water i i was like five i don't really think i was drinking much water um just juice i i don't know i could not tell you (laughs) i just know that it really got on my dad's nerves and finally i confessed because i felt bad another one was we had this sculpture in our house of like a naked torso of a woman and my sister wrote a sign across the boobs that said not for young viewers and i took that sign and i put it on my dad's seat with tape so he sat on it and then walked to the store with a sign on his butt that said not for young viewers are you kidding me? Yeah, that was, and he was like the most mad. I did not fess up to that one until I was like twenty. That is your magnum opus. <laughs> that is a perfect fucking prank. You made your dad seem kind of like a pedophile <laughs> by being really actively anti-pedophile. Yeah, not for young viewers. <laughs> that is so genius. How old were you? That um. I mean, six or seven. Dude, the awareness at six or seven to see that sign and go, not only am I taking that down, I can repurpose it. And he didn't notice. (laughs) And he walked to the store. Yeah. Do you know how many fucking kick me signs I've put on friends' backs in high school that fell off in the wind? Yeah. That is beautiful. Yeah. That was a good one. That's fantastic. Yeah. Do you have any others? Um, one. This one's kind of like fucked up. I cut off my cat's whiskers. I. You know what? I was going to bring that up, actually. Yeah. I was like, there's something else you did as a kid, I know. Yeah, because I thought it was, like, I didn't know. I didn't know. <laughs> How old were you then? I, I was 17. like, even. <laughs> that was like five or six. Like, this was between me being like five and eight because mm-hmm. we moved when I was like eight. And so, yeah, those are my three big ones. I think you should explain why the whiskers got cut off. What do you mean? You why did you do it? Oh, I don't remember. You don't. You don't remember. I think I was like, I don't know. I had scissors. My my cat was there, and the only fur I could cut on it was his whiskers because he had short hair. Um, that one, like the family knew it was me that did it uh-huh. because I was the youngest and. Like clearly lying about the fact. I was uh-huh. like, I didn't cut off the whiskers. I have no idea. 
Uh, but my mom caught me because she was like, Izzy, you really could have hurt the cat. And I was like, I didn't do it. And she was like, you could have poked his eye out with the scissors. And I was like, nah, I used the round scissors. <laughs> and then I was like, fuck. That, that is the trap you fell into that like turned you online enough to have the smarts to pull off the not for young viewers on your dad's butt. Yeah. Those are the only ones I remember. I just know that like my my family was always like, Izzy's always up to something. Okay, so when you were in high school and you're like, I'm a prankster, there's you that's foundation. You maybe hadn't been into it in a while, but you had the resume. Yeah. Yeah. Not a poser at all. Not a prank not a prank poster at all. Thank you. Like I I don't have any I I don't think I have anything that's all the way there. It's all very small stuff. I, it's like so much that it's not even you're a prankster. It's just I'm kind of a little shit. Mm-hmm. Like I had one, the the idea I had for my senior prank, which I'm kind of in the same boat as this person as far as trying and failing to pull it off was, and I, cause I got kicked out of my high school before like that, you know, season, I got kicked out in the first semester. Um, my idea was to dig up the school signs from my high school and our rival high school and switch them Mm -hmm. um, because they were like really dinky, shitty signs. They're not like suit. They weren't like super down into the ground or anything. So they were heavy, but you wouldn't need to like dig 17 feet into the ground to get them out. That was my plan to switch them. And I felt so like, I'm like, see, like, like I, they, people would see it and be like, oh, it's a prank. But I'd be like, do you see how little this matters? <laughs> this rivalry is tearing us apart. Wow. Didn't get it done. Got kicked out, got arrested, was doing drugs. Mm-hmm. So it didn't happen. But it kind of, there's like, it's a very thing to pull very small pranks. Mm-hmm. So like, if you are in the kitchen and you're preparing a plate of food, and you're going to put that food in the microwave. If you walk away while it's microwaving or you turn around before you put it in the microwave, when you come back around, that that plate will be gone. Or if you're at dinner and you get up to go to the bathroom and you come back to the table, that plate will be gone. And oh, you guys did that to me. Is it, Did they? Yeah. What did they do? Table. Food was on the table. I got up and moved. And then when I came back, my plate wasn't there anymore. And Max was like, <laughs> yeah, I know Max. Max has the worst not guilty face in the world. He has this it's like he has this idea that he's like if you can't see my teeth, I'm not smiling. So it's just a big smile with his lips wrapped around his teeth. So he's just like <laughs> I know that's a visual gag on an audio format, but you get it. It's so bad. He's real bad at it. But yeah, it, it, the plate would end up, you know, in a cupboard upstairs down in the garage just on a different person's seat mm-hmm. just somewhere else yeah and that's kind of that's kind of the quintessential prank um if you if you the bleeps that you just heard were my last name it's a point i make to uh keep some small details about myself anonymous because the thing is if, if someone wants to find me they're they're gonna um but I try not to invite it. It's the same reason I don't like give out where I work. Plenty of people have come into come into work because um, they're like, oh, I saw your TikTok and I wanted to come to your work. So I figured out where it was and I came to say hi. It's going to happen. It's not a big deal, but I try not to invite it. So that's what those beeps are. Do I sound incredibly full of myself? No. Gang shit. Thank you. 
Yeah, the fertility treatment one, not to go back to that, but I do, I like, just between me and you. <laughs> Fuck that baby. <laughs> that um, is going in. Just so you know. No. You don't want fuck that baby in there? No, I think The other night you offended. said babies serve cunt. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to offend anybody. You make wild swinging statements about babies. Yeah. But you don't mean any of them. No. And I think with that disclaimer, we can leave in the part where you said fuck that baby. <laughs> I'm no. pulling for it. All right, whatever. Oh, hell yeah. If people hate me, that's your fault. I don't, I think For the record, our- it was purely a joke. Purely. And truly. Truly. All right, we got a message from Taylor. And Taylor writes, My parents, who I've specifically had notified by the police that they weren't to contact me again, sent me a Facebook message from my dead grandmother's Facebook profile to let me know about the date of her memorial, which, ironically, I cannot attend because they don't know I have a son and I don't want them in my life even though I loved my grandmother deeply and she was the person who got me through childhood. Not a great day. What do you have to say about that, Jeff? The account they messaged from was from the grandma whose memorial service it is. Yes. Okay. Dead grandmother's okay. memorial. That's a little bit, it's not quite as bad as what I thought was was, was like a long dead grandma. <laughs> like, a, like a grandma that's been dead for like three years. Interesting. I think it's worse to do it with a... Newly deceased. That's true. That's true. I think maybe the other one would just be like a little bit more jarring. Yeah. Like off off rip. Yeah. But also like did they pretend to be her? Like like did like my memorial services on Friday? <laughs> but she's not going. She's not going. She's not going to the service. She's not going because she has a son and a life that she doesn't want them a part of. Yeah. And that kind of opens the door to them yeah having contact again i'm guessing not worth it to can't can't go for just that service by herself yeah i think that's what she's implying yeah i think also there's this idea out there that if you miss a funeral that means you don't love the person or you didn't care about them Mm -hmm. um and really funerals and memorials are about the people that were living to remember that person um and you don't need to be there to honor that person yeah and yeah you can absolutely do that by yourself it just sucks that you're not able to commiserate with people that you haven't gone non-contact with exactly which you know maybe you can do on your own time Mm -hmm. hey would you know would love to would love to see you wasn't able to make it to the service was looking forward to talking to you yeah can we get together but Still, you know, exercising those muscles, scratching that itch on your own time around the existence of two people that would make it harder for you to focus on paying your respects, missing your grandma, loving your grandma, that kind of thing. I think, and I really agree with what you said about memorial services and funerals. Um, but I think it's, there's a lot of emphasis nowadays on these very old traditions, um, and like the merits of them and like what's good about them being traditions and also like your ability to opt out of them mm-hmm. and the fact that like opting out of them just because our tradition doesn't make you lesser or bad or an asshole. Um, where, you know, back in the day, that's like you, that's like, you could not do that. Like 
your business would go under if you didn't go to that one memorial service where it's like these traditions are in place and there's no reason to like tear them down. But if you can't be a part of them, that doesn't say anything about you and it doesn't say anything about the service. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like the Taylor Swift and the baby thing. It's like you don't have to conflate things that don't need to be conflated. You don't have to connect these two things. Exactly. Why did that make you laugh? <laughs> Why did that make you laugh, Izzy? And why did you hide the laugh? I'm sorry. Just the way you said Taylor Swift and the baby. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's gonna that might be a constant. Is sometimes people are being like putting two things together. And we're like, dude, it's Taylor Swift and the baby all over again. <laughs> people come in ten episodes in, they're like. What did Taylor Swift do to a baby? <laughs> um, we're sorry about your loss, and we and we truly mean that. And I just wanted to go back and make sure that that was said. Um, but exercising your rights, and more importantly, now guarding your child from having to experience the things you experienced that made you go non-contact. Absolutely, are of paramount importance. Once someone is gone, they are gone. You can't change that. They live on in how you love your child, in how you love the people that are still with us. You're loving your child by doing what you believe is best to keep them safe and happy. That is you paying your respects to your love for your grandmother. That's my thought. Yeah. And also props to you for going no not no contact. Like there is a close friend of mine that like if I was in their position or if other people would, I think I might be, or other people would be entertaining the idea of going non-contact. Um, and they don't. And it's like, you know what? They're not doing it. Um, and they're not gonna, they just don't think that's an option for them. They don't want it to be an option. They do have a lot of love for their family. There's just a lot of difficulty there and a lot of stuff that is on this friend's plate that falls on their shoulders that really shouldn't and um, that really hurts them. And it's still impo- like so difficult to go non- non-contact. Um, so that's an incredibly difficult thing to, to do. And uh, making that step and having it turn out in a way that you feel is your healthiest decision is uh, – no small feat. Someone asked me this question on a on a on a TikTok comment, and I wanted to answer them here to hopefully get that one person that their specific traffic to the podcast. They asked where my title "Little Chomp" came from, um, and it came from a specific, very specific place. I was uh, like 22 after acting school, and I met this guy that I was kind of friends with, like not much, but like an acquaintance, and he was a rapper. And I really liked this one song of his that he and he had a music video for it. And in the music video, he does this little motion like he has like a like a carrot in his hand and he's kind of taking a chomp out of it out of the side of his mouth. And something about that one little motion he did, I liked so much. So I posted it on my Instagram story and like tagged him, like, check it out, like, you know, fucking posting posting my friend's music on the story. And I wrote while he performed that little chomp, L-I-L, chomp. And I posted it, and then I was watching it back, and I was like, that would be a good rap name. 
that'd be a good handle. And up until then, my handle on Instagram was Speedo Viking, which didn't come from, well, it came from, Viking came from Vicodin, which was a weird thing that an old friend did. Um, Not Vicodin, the Vicodin Viking thing. But yeah, so I liked, I just liked that phrase, Lil Chomp, because I liked his Lil Chomp. So now I'm Lil Chomp. And that's the story. Wow. You have a message for us, Izzy? Yes. Where's the name Izzy come from? All right, we got a message from Brooke nine minutes ago. Brooke says, basically, I was dating this guy from the age of 13 to 20, and we just broke it off, and I actually cut it all off. Like, I blocked his ass off everything, including Venmo, and he still owes me $25. But Oof. <laughs> Oof. But I just need advice on being single and figuring out if I actually like someone. That seems like a weird question, but I feel like I can't vibe with anyone anymore. Anyway, I love y'all so much and so proud of your podcast and can't wait to listen. Thanks, Brooke. Um, I think what applies to this is kind of my like absolute top, top, top advice as far as dating goes, which is so like it's difficult to tell if you actually like someone because seven years is a long time. Your, for lack of a better word, love languages, your communication styles, your social understanding of social cues and the social cues you give are so tuned to this one person that when someone doesn't match up at those specific cues, it feels like it's not good just because it's what it's not what you are used to, what is so wired in you as what is the norm. Um, and so your expectation is unknowingly, you know, probably subconsciously, there's this expectation there that isn't being um, fulfilled. And so I think lowering expectations, getting rid of expectations, um, which ties into my top top advice, which is lowering the stakes. If you can get to a point where these social interactions that might be like dating-ish interactions, the stakes are so low that you don't have these expectations, when you do start liking someone, that will pop up much more obviously when it doesn't have to pop up next to what you're expecting that comes from this seven-year past with this other person. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's easier said than done to be to get this to get to get single life to low stakes. When you're single, that it all feels pretty high stakes. But you know, you can be like single, and you're like, I really want to find someone. I really want to meet someone. You know, I want to fall in love. I want a girlfriend. Oh, maybe I just maybe I just want something casual. But I really want to meet someone, and nothing works out, and you are fucking so let down so many times in a row. And finally, when you go like look, I, I'm not willing to put my cards on the table anymore. Like I'm not playing another hand. That's when you get dealt, you know, an ace and a jack. That Like that's when it happens because you have given up, which means the stakes are so low that things kind of are clear and the opportunity is more open than it has been in the in the past. Yeah, totally. I also think that getting out of a relationship that that's that – was that long especially because by the wording of the message it sounded like he wasn't that great of a partner or that great of a person it's really easy to like meet somebody and be like 
oh, they seem like they're better than the way that he was treating me. And so kind of like giving your all towards that. And they might also be pretty shitty too. So you kind of have to make sure that you're not setting the bar too low for yourself just because the standards of your prior partner were so bad that you're willing to put up with Mm -hmm. something slightly better. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the chance that like, like what you said, like they still could be pretty shitty Mm -hmm. and the chances of that being the case are a lot higher (laughs) if she is what it sounds like dating straight men <laughs> this i another another close friend is currently dating straight men and she is just she is just such an open book and she is so energetic and so giving with her energy and she's dating straight men and she, it's like so fucking difficult for her cuz there's so many times where she's like this seems great this guy seems great this guy seems like a good guy and then like a month in he does some real bullshit and she's like so hurt. She's like, I don't know why I'm still surprised. And it's like, I, I wasn't surprised, but I'm an asshole. And you have this rare thing where you have, you give everyone the benefit of the doubt. And every single time you go in, you are truly expecting and hoping for the best outcome. And that, I mean, like, I can't imagine a harder thing to do mm-hmm. is date straight men and every next straight man being like, I'm pretty sure this is going to be awesome. Mm -hmm. So yeah, chances are high. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard. Um, But yeah, Izzy's, Izzy's correct is not comparing what you're, what you're seeing in a potential partner against your past partner, comparing what you're seeing in a potential partner against what you deserve, not what you got from the last person, what you deserve just as a human, just as a human in a room. Yeah. Also, in short, I think, you know, to answer the question about how do you know when you like somebody, I feel like that's going to be the easiest thing for you. I think I think you'll know when you actually like somebody versus forcing feelings like I want to like this person. I really want to. Or confusing them liking you for you liking them. Yeah. Like if someone really likes you, you can get two great dates. Like, those days can be good. You can feel like there's a real connection and it's fully based off the fact that they're really interested in you. And then on the third date, where there's not a lot left of you to give them and you have to start getting from them, and you realize, one, I've been kind of selfish these last two dates, but, you know, dating happens. You realize, oh, wow, like, I do not like this person nearly as much as they like me. And the connection that I thought was happening was purely just because they were asking consistent questions and showing consistent interest. But, you know, it's a two-way street. Mm -hmm. It's a two-way street. It's one of those things, like, in a conversation, it's, like, being present and listening to what the person is saying, but recognizing when you are as excited to ask them the thing that they just asked you, when you start to notice that things are, like, running into each other conversationally no i think that it sums it up pretty pretty good good for you on being single hell yeah hell yeah we all should do it (laughs) (laughs) 
No, I mean, from 13 to 20, that's like, those are formative years. That's fucked. That's, that's crazy. That's like at 20 years old, I was like, you know what? I don't like Pokemon anymore. That's like how deep of a connection was happening in those formative years. Yeah. Well, and I would just like, I would feel like half of my identity was gone. Breaking up with somebody from 13 to 20, I would, you know, you probably feel like super lost on who you are. Maybe you don't. I would. Um, and so there's going to be a lot of like just learning about yourself and what you like and what you're looking for in a partner. Um, yeah. Yeah. And a lot of that process might be finding out what you don't like. Unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I think there's there starts to be a, a change when you are kind of ruling things out. Let's say in dating, you're like, you know, you have sort of, you know, a for lack of a much, much, much better word, you have a situationship with someone. And when that ends, you know, oh, this is a thing that I would improve about that situation. This is something that I would, that I think was missing. And so then the next time you will look for something that isn't missing that. And then when that ends, you're like, okay, so that had that and that, but I'm noticing it's missing this other thing, communication, uh, the ability to have more fun together or the ability to have long conversations with each other. So the next time you look for something and you find it when it has that thing. And then there's a switch that gets turned at one point where you start thinking not what's missing from the relationship, but what would I change about my behavior? How would I do better in the next relationship? And that's when you start to find someone that's like, you have inherently now this sense of what you're looking for, what you like, what you connect with, but you've now gotten to a point where you are looking to better yourself inside of a relationship. You're no longer just bettering the concept of a relationship. Mm-hmm. You think that's all? I think that's it. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Right now, our time reads an hour and three minutes editing out the things that are just full dead space and us trying to find our footing in this new medium. Who knows how long this will be. Thanks for listening to the entire thing. And uh, look, we're, we're, we're sorry we missed your call. If you want to leave us a message, you can DM us at we will call you back on Instagram. And we will call you back. Thank you for listening to We Will Call You Back. If you want to hear more, hit the subscribe button now, or select from the following menu items. To like the show, press 1, or hit the like button. To subscribe, press 2, or hit the subscribe button. To submit your question to the show, hang up, and direct message us, at, we will call you back, on Instagram. Goodbye. 